Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. If you have your Bibles, will you open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 2 this morning? We're going to continue on as we go verse by verse through the book of Hosea. As you're turning there, I want to tell you a story that I read this week as I was studying. It's 1930, and the world has no taste for war at this time. They've seen the effects and the heartache and the hardship that a world war will bring. And this is before the rise of Hitler. And so there's this really incredible speech that King George V is going to bring to the world at a Naval Academy in London, June 21st, 1930. And this speech that he's going to give is on disarmament, about the need for all of the nations of the world to stop stockpiling weapons and to put their weapons away. And so this is an encouraging message for the entire world, and it's supposed to be broadcast in the United States by a company called Columbia Broadcast Company. And 20 minutes before this speech is to be delivered, people have been waiting up all night to hear this speech. Remember, there's a huge time difference as you, you know, cross the pond, as they say. People have been waiting up all night to hear this speech that King George V is going to bring on disarmament. And just before the speech is about to begin, an intern is walking through the studio and trips over a cable and disconnects a cable and the entire station shuts down. 59 different stations lose signal. Over a million people in the United States on the Eastern Seaboard all the way up into Canada lose signal. And so there's a young engineer, radio engineer here in the studio by the name of Harold Vivian. And he realizes that in this moment, this fix is gonna take about 20 minutes. There's no time to fix this. So he quickly bends over and he grabs onto the two cables, completing the circuit with his own body holding one cable on one side and one cable on the other side, 250 volts of electricity going through his body so that this speech can be aired. He holds it for six minutes while the king finishes his speech. The accounts say that the man was twitching, that he was convulsing because of the voltage running through his body and that he was foaming at the mouth and that his hands were burned by the time all was said and done. But what he did in this moment of heroism is he made sure that the broken connection that kept the people from hearing from the king was completed through his body. And this is exactly what the role of a prophet is. You realize this morning, don't you, that your relationship with God is broken except someone comes and connects the two sides of the cable and completes the circuit. And this is what Hosea has been called to do. And it's interesting because when you read the story of the prophets, if you haven't read the story of the prophets, if you haven't read their books, I encourage you to go through these stories and read what these prophets went through. I'll just, a couple of interesting tidbits here. Isaiah chapter 20, you can go read this later. He was called by God to walk around preaching naked for three years. Now, how many of you are glad you didn't receive that call? How many of you are glad I didn't receive that call? Right? <laughs> Walked around for three years naked. Why? Because God was trying to communicate to the Egyptians and the Ethiopians that Assyria is going to come and they're going to lead you away captive, enslaved, and naked because of the way you're living. An amazing object lesson, completing the circuit. The king is trying to say something and the people need to hear. Isaiah says, I'll do that. He's the same one who said, here, my Lord, send me. If you need someone to go take a message, here, my Lord, send me. I wonder if he knew that he was gonna be walking around naked for three years if he would have been so quick, right? 
How about Ezekiel? Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter four, you can read about this later. He's called by God to take out a whiteboard, basically. It would amount today to a whiteboard, a piece of slate, and to draw on this piece of slate, Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. And then he says to Ezekiel, I want you to lay on your left side for 390 days, one day for every year that the people of the northern kingdoms, the people of Ephraim, the people of Israel, will be taken captive. 390 days, one day for every year. So he lays on his side for 390 days as an object lesson that the people are not living right. He's connecting the conduit, the broken conduit, so that the king can speak to the people. Then the Lord says, I want you to turn over on your right side and I want you to lay on your right side for 40 straight days as a sign against Judah that they too are not living right one day for every year. So here Ezekiel does this and now this is the worst part, right? And then God says this, I want you to take and when you eat, you're gonna be able to eat six ounces of grain per day and one pint of water you can drink per day. And when you prepare your meal, you're gonna prepare your meal over cow dung. That's what you're gonna use as your flame. And you're gonna prepare your bread as a sign against the people that this is how destitute they've become. And Ezekiel fills in the gap. He becomes the conduit through which the Lord, the king speaks to the people. How about Hosea here? Hosea called by God to marry a prostitute as a sign against the people to create a conduit with which was broken between the king so that the king can communicate to the people, this is how you're breaking my heart through the way that you're choosing to live your life, through compromise. You've compromised with the nations that have surrounded you. I gave you this land to take and I specifically told you, do not marry these people, drive them out, tear down their altars, break apart their places of worship. Don't get sucked into this. Don't get trapped by the way they're living their lives. And yet because you wanted to find favor and you wanted protection and you wanted to fit in with the people around you, you began to worship their gods like they worship their gods. Instead of you changing them, they changed you. And this is how I feel about it. I feel like a husband whose wife has been unfaithful, selling herself to the highest bidder. Hosea bridges the break between his people and the king. He becomes the conduit through which God's word is brought. These are the prophets. These are the words that God is trying to communicate to his people. And I tell you this, as true as this word was in the book of Hosea for the nation of Israel during Hosea's day, the same word is true for us today. Why? Because we're not living the life we should be living. Why? Because day in and day out, we compromise. We might not be bowing to a physical altar, but in our hearts, we're bowing before altars, things that have taken our affections and our attention away from the Lord, and we've placed them in places they should never be. Our affections and our attention should never be in these places. We've built up idols within our heart, and God would speak to us today if we are not living true lives for him, if we're not really truly surrendered completely to the worship of Yahweh, he would say to us through Through Hosea today, you're breaking my heart as an unfaithful wife to a husband. So Hosea chapter 2 is where we're going to pick up here today. Hosea chapter 2, Pastor Walter went over verse 1 of chapter 2 last week, but let's just read it. It says, say to your brothers, you are my people, and say to your sisters, you have received mercy. Remember, Hosea was told to name the children, you have never known a father's love, right? You have never received mercy, and you are not my people. Why? Because those children were not his Children, those children were born to his family through his wife's unfaithfulness. They were the result of her prostitution. So God says, you name these children that they've never known mercy, that they are not my people because they're the product of prostitution. But here, 
God is giving a hint. And what I want you to understand throughout the pages of scripture, if you get down and you read the pages of scripture, it doesn't matter which author you're reading, which timeline you're reading, the entire thing is written by the spirit of God. And it's written to communicate to you that God has a plan to redeem you no matter how far you've fallen, no matter how desperate your situation looks. No matter the fruits of your, of your prostitution, of your idolatry, of your wandering from God, if you will have him, if you will come back into his presence, God is always quick to redeem. Amen. That's this hint here. Something's going to change. Those who were called not my people are gonna be called my people. Those who never knew mercy are going to know mercy. God is showing you his heart in this. Now look at what he says next here, verse two. Plead with your mother. Now, understand here, what Hosea is doing is, God is using this picture of Hosea, this object lesson of Hosea. And as we read this, this is happening in the life of Hosea. But really the bigger picture is this is the Lord speaking to his children. This is the Lord speaking to Israel, right? So here you have to read it with two sets of eyes open. One, this is happening to Hosea in his life. But two, this is the Lord speaking to his children. So look at it, this again. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband, that she may put away her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness and make her like a parched land and kill her with thirst. Upon her children, I will also have no mercy because they are children of whoredom for their mother has played the whore. She who conceived them has acted shamefully for she said, I will go after my love who give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink. Now pause there just for a moment. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to first take note that this is gonna begin by looking at the unfaithful wife. And you have to picture in your mind a courtroom setting. This is a legal setting. When Hosea says, plead with your children, he's speaking to his children and he's saying, plead. And that word is a legal term that means to bring an accusation against. It means to rebuke publicly, right? But it also means literally to denounce. Denounce your mother in the eyes of all of the people. Denounce her for her deeds. Denounce her for her lifestyle. Denounce her for what she's done to me, your father. So there's a courtroom scene that is happening here. This is all taking place in a courtroom. These are divorce proceedings that we're reading here between Hosea and Gomer, his wife. But again, the second set of eyes looking at this is this is the divorce proceedings between Israel and their husband, Yahweh. This is his heart, what's happening, how his heart is being broken by his people. So we see this courtroom scene that is there. And this is what would happen in these days. If, if a husband had been abandoned by his wife, if she had gone and lived and made herself a part of another family or went to go live with another man, made another man her husband, the first husband could come before the court and could bring his children as witnesses and he would offer the witness or the testimony of his children to the fact that the wife had abandoned their home and therefore the husband was no longer obligated or responsible for the wife's needs or for her actions. And so Hosea and the Lord is saying, children, testify, tell the court what you've seen. Tell the court how your mother has abandoned me, has left the covenant, has left the fidelity of this relationship, has not been loyal, has not been faithful, has gone away after other men, chased out other lovers. Tell the court what you've seen. And so he's appealing here to his children to speak up, to tell the court the way it is. And really, if you wanna know the truth right now, 
in the heavenlies, there is in the spiritual realm, there is a courtroom scene that is right now being waged over your soul. And the scripture says in Revelation chapter 12, calls Satan the accuser of the brethren and how he stands before the throne of God day and night accusing you and I of our sin. Every word that we spoke out of turn, everything that we looked upon with our eyes that we never should have seen, every evil or wicked or lustful thought that we've ever had, he's there accusing us before God day and night. But the scripture also says that in this heavenly courtroom scene, we have an advocate, we have a defender, we have a lawyer and his name is Jesus who stands to plead our case and to plead our defense. And when every accusation is hurled towards the court, Jesus stands in our defense and he says, this all may be true, but behold my scars, behold the price that I paid so that they might be forgiven. And the best of all is that the judge who's hearing these accusations is the father of my defense attorney. He's the father of my lawyer, right? That I have an advocate, not only with the judge of all the universe, but I have an advocate with the heavenly father and his name is Jesus. He's there to plead my defense. There is this courtroom scene, praise God. There's this courtroom scene that is happening today and it's being waged for your soul. But here in this courtroom setting, these divorce proceedings that are taking place, Hosea pleads with his children. God pleads with his children, denounce the way of your mother. Don't follow after her ways. Don't live her kind of life. You have to break off association. I know she's your mother. I know you love her. And if you're reading this through the eyes of the children of Israel, I know you love their traditions. I know you love the religion. I know you love reading the Torah. I know you love gathering together in the synagogue. I know you love going to the temple. I know these things, but she's been unfaithful. You need to denounce that system. You need to pull away from it because it's breaking my heart. I wonder if our religion ever becomes like that. Because the Lord would not be pleased. It doesn't matter if you come here with the greatest of intentions, right? You can come here and you can think that you're going through all the motions and you're checking all the boxes and you're singing all the songs and you're amening at the right time, you're clapping at the right time. But if your heart isn't here, it means nothing. This is what the Lord would say to us today. Paul would say this to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and do not touch any unclean thing, and then I will welcome you. Come apart from the world. Denounce the world system. Denounce the way the world lives. You're not to be a part of the world. I left you in the world as a light to the world, as salt to the world, but that world is not your home. You denounce that world and the world system, and you get right with God then I will accept you in. See, there are these charges of sin that are being brought against Gomer by Hosea. And he asks his children, you need to speak up for what you've heard in the house. You need to tell the judge like it is. You need to tell him what is going on and what is happening. And he goes on, he says there, plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife. This is verse one, and I am not her husband. She is not my wife and I am not her husband. The relationship the marital relationship has been severed. It's been broken. There's no more covenant. There's no more faithfulness. She has abandoned me. There was a day, sometime it happened, somewhere along the line, she had said, I do, but she really didn't mean it. She stood before an altar and she committed herself to me, but her heart was not really in it. She said, I do, but she doesn't mean it. 
If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me really briefly to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. See, the whole law that we read about from Exodus, say, chapter 19 through 24, this whole law that is delivered to Moses is really a covenant that God is making with the children of Israel, a marriage covenant between his people, the bride, and himself, who is the husband. It's a marital covenant. It's a covenant that we see the children of Israel breaking. But read this with me. Exodus chapter 24, verse three. Moses came and told the people all the words the Lord of the Lord and all of the rules. He gave them the law. Moses had been on Mount Sinai. He receives the law. He receives the instructions. This is what it looks like to worship. This is how your sacrificial system will work. These are the rules. These are the do's and the don'ts. Moses comes back. He delivers the word to the people. These are the vows, so to speak. This is the opportunity for the children of Israel to say, yes, I agree to those rules. I will commit myself. I will connect myself to you. I will make myself one with Yahweh. Okay, so look at Moses came, told the people all the words of the Lord on all of the rules, and all of the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. In a marriage, there's an opportunity, right? The pastor stands before the two people being wed, and there's a list of things. Will you agree to these things? And they reply, I will or I do, right? This is Israel's opportunity to say, I will or I do. All of those rules, I will follow those, and I will commit myself to the Lord. But look at what happens. Moses, verse 4. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar and at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel and sent young men and the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Listen, verse six. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant. He took what had just been given, the rules, the law that had just been given. So he took the covenant read it in the hearing of all the people. So he read the entire law to all of the people and they said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. We will obey the law of God, the people say. The people in essence say we do. We get it, we agree. Now look at what happens here. Verse eight, and Moses took the blood, the blood of the animals that had just been sacrificed the blood. He threw the blood at the people and he said, behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance to all of these words. Now flip back to Hosea and let me explain this. The Lord is giving the children of Israel an opportunity to commit to him. When the first covenant was made with Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 15, just write that down. You can read it later. God comes to Abraham and he says again, look, I'm gonna number your descendants more than the sand and more than the stars. I'm gonna bless all of the nations through you. And in essence, Abraham says, how can I be sure that you will perform your promise? How can I be sure that you will uphold your end of the covenant, your end of this contract, your end of this agreement? And so the Lord instructs Abraham to slay animals, three or there were more than three, but literally he opens up, opens the cavity, opens the body of cattle. There was cattle, there was a ram, and there was a goat. There were some pigeons. He opens up these animals. These are a sacrifice. And what they would do in these days in order to ratify a contract or a covenant is they would open up the bodies of these animals and they would walk through the body of the animal as testament saying, if I do not withhold my end of this agreement, if I do not uphold my promise, may I become like this animal, this dead animal that I've just walked through. 
Now the Lord causes a deep sleep to fall on Abraham. And while Abraham is asleep, the Lord comes down and he walks through the animals, testifying that if I don't perform this covenant, may this happen to me. Now in Exodus chapter 24, you're seeing another covenant. The animal has been slayed. It's been opened. The blood has been sprinkled upon the people. They said, I do. In essence, the people are saying, if we don't uphold our end of the covenant, may the same happen to us. And now guess what's happening in the book of Hosea? They're not upholding their end of the agreement. They're not being faithful to the covenant and to the contract. Can you imagine going down and you have your credit run and you're going to try to purchase a vehicle and they come back with a cattle and they open the cattle up and they say, okay, walk through the cattle right? Walk through it. This is what had happened for the children of Israel. Now the moment is here. And what all that Hosea is doing is he's saying, you haven't upheld your end of the agreement, your end of the promise. Now you're in danger of death. Your life is going to fall apart. These are his words. This is the word for you today. If you do not uphold your end of the promise. Now listen to what it says here. It says again, Plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife. This is Hosea chapter two, and I am not her husband, that she may put away her whoring from her face. Now in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 says this, if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. The wages of unfaithfulness or of adultery or of idolatry in the Lord's eyes is death. Hosea is giving his wife another opportunity, one last chance to get things right. He doesn't want to see her slain, just as the Lord does not want to see the children of Israel taken away in bondage and out of captivity, just as the Lord doesn't want to see you suffer and die in your sin this morning. One last chance. So here's this courtroom setting. The divorce proceedings are there. He says, one last chance for you to put away the adultery from your face and the whoring from between your breasts. Turn away from the way you've been living. I'm giving you an opportunity to repent, to turn from those things. Now, what does it mean, the, the adultery from her face? It means, you know, many commentators say that she, the prostitutes during those days would wear earrings or nose rings, and they would have heavy cosmetics on, and they would wear necklaces, which would hang between their breasts, which would be signs that they were a part of the temple prostitution. They were being used in prostitution in the worship of Baals. So Hosea is saying, tell her to change her lifestyle. Put away those things that are indicators that she's been unfaithful to me. I'm giving her one last chance. This morning, I can't guarantee any of you in here this morning that you'll see tomorrow. I can't. For all I know, this morning, this could be your one last chance to get right with God. This could be your last moment, that moment when the Lord is speaking to you saying, you have not been living a faithful life for me. And maybe at one point in time or another, you stood up when the preacher called you know, for the altar. If you wanna come forward and receive Christ, maybe you walked down, but you never lived a life of faithfulness to the Lord. You continued to live in your sin. You continued to follow after your idols. You continued to worship at their altars. And the Lord would say to you this morning, here's another chance. This may be your last chance to put those things, change your lifestyle. The scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The word repent means to turn from your wickedness and to turn to the living God. This is what it says in Ezekiel chapter 18. It says, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn so that you might live. 
Turn from your wickedness so that I can give you life. Again, what are the wages of adultery? Leviticus says the wages of that adultery is death. Turn from that lifestyle so that you can find life, the Lord would say. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.